Hi, everybody. Dick Vitale. Hey, make sure you listen, man, to Lockdown Blue Devils with J.J. Jackson. He's awesome, baby. You are Locked On Blue Devils, your daily podcast on the Duke Blue Devils, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody, and welcome into another episode of the Lockdown Blue Devils podcast. My name is J.J. Jackson. It's so great to have you here with us again on this Monday, February 6th. 2023. On today's show, we are going to recap the big Duke men's basketball victory over North Carolina, an epic showdown in the rivalry from inside Cameron Indoor Stadium as the Blue Devils walk away six-point victors against the Tar Heels. Josh Cox from Duke Football Talk's Section 17 podcast will join me here on the program today. If you haven't done so already, be sure to follow and subscribe to our podcast for free wherever you get your podcast. You'll be able to watch the show each and every day on YouTube as well. Please hit that subscribe button. We're continuing to climb towards 1,000 subscribers, and your support means the absolute world to us here at Locked on Blue Devils. Without further ado, let's get set to bring on my good pal, the aforementioned Josh Cox from Duke Football Talk's Section 17 podcast, who had the lovely opportunity to be in the building on Saturday night for Duke's win. Hey, Josh, happy Monday. Hey, man. Uh, yeah, what a great weekend. I uh, got a chance <laughs> to be in the building uh, Saturday night, and, man, it was vintage Cameron. So, What a start yeah. to the week when we get to reflect back on, on this Duke victory. Also, of course, Duke is going to be in action a little bit later tonight, a rematch against Miami there in uh, Coral Gables this time. So a lot to discuss on the program today. But we've got to spend plenty of time talking about this Duke game. So first meeting between these two teams since the Final Four, first time these two teams have met in over 42 years since Mike Krzyzewski was not the head coach of the Duke Blue Devils. What in the world was that arena like? What was the atmosphere like? Well, I'll just tell you this. I, I, I've mentioned on the, sh- the show uh, previously, I feel like the, the students have really re-engaged this year, and it was more of the same with that. I mean – Obviously, the student section was packed out, but they had students on both sides now. There were students up behind the the, um, the Duke bench and the UNC bench, which is not always the case. And then, you know, obviously not an empty seat, you know, in the house. And so there was, uh, you know, because this game was not quite as expensive, you know, as last year. And things, yeah. there were quite a few UNC fans that made their way in. Uh, which was even better because they got to see their team take that L in person. Um, But it was vintage Cameron. It was loud. I was at the 2011 UNC game when Duke was down by like 18 in the first half, Nolan Smith's uh, year, senior year, and they came all the way back and won. That's the game I can, I can compare it to. It was much louder than last year's game. Last year's game was just odd. Yeah. Um, but man, it was vintage, and I mean, they were going. It, it was it was incredible. So the crazies were on point, um, stayed engaged in the game the entire time. I believe they really did impact uh, some things. I mean, some of the stuff they were chanting at uh, at Caleb Love and R.J. Davis. Th- there's no way that those guys didn't hear what they were saying, and there's no way it didn't affect them in some way. So it was it was awesome. As we do when we recap these games, taking a look at some of the individual performances, sometimes it's pretty easy to know right away who it is we're going to be talking about. But Duke had a couple of guys uh, that really stepped up to the test. I think the most surprising and maybe the most impactful among them all, though, Josh, was the freshman Derek Lively II, who uh, had, man, what a statement game he had for the Blue Devils. When he was being recruited, they used to say, listen, this guy can impact the game without scoring. And we were like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. 
And honestly, throughout throughout the season, we've not really had one of those moments yet, you know, where we were like, oh, man, he impacted this game without really scoring. This was the game. I mean, he he winds up with some great putback dunks, you know, in, in clutch time in the second half, which was which was awesome. But obviously the 14 rebounds and the eight blocks, both of those are season high. His previous season high on blocks was five in the Miami game, and I think he did it one other time. And then he had, I believe, 10 rebounds, um, uh, maybe in that Miami game as well, I forget, but, uh, but he had 10 rebounds a couple of times. But 14 season high, obviously then career high, eight blocks career high. I mean, he was flirting with a double-double, not counting points. And, um, and man, uh, I, really, I really was impressed with the defensive effort that he did on Armando Baycott. Um, from what I gathered, and I didn't go back and count this myself, but taking Twitter's word for it, Armando Baycott one-on-one in the post with Derek Lively the second was 0 for 6. Yes. Crazy. 0 for 6. So now I'm not I'm, I will say this. And and I think it was balanced. I'm not I mean I'm not giving Hubert Davis any any credit here. Uh they let a lot go in the first half down low. There was a lot of banging, there was a lot of a lot of contact in the post on both ends of the court. Um that they let go. You know, there were a couple of times where I was like, "Oh man, here comes here comes Lively's foul. Here it comes." And it, and it didn't get called. But like I said, I, I do not believe that the game was officiated in any way leaning to one side or the other, even though we were in Cameron. Um, but I do feel like that letting the guys play a little bit down low, you would think it would have helped Baycott more than Lively, but I think it actually wound up helping Lively even more. Yeah, you take a look at the game for Duke. Again, the win 63-57 over North Carolina. The Tar Heels did not score in the last four minutes of the game. A really uh, locked down defensive performance from Duke down the stretch. Hubert Davis does want to point to the free throw discrepancy, though, as Duke, of course, had 15 attempts from the free throw line compared to just three for the Duke Blue Devils. However, you look at some of the shot selection and that sort of thing, I think that's where you got to give credit to Duke for attacking the rim and making officials have to make those calls. Duke only took 11 three-point attempts in this game against North Carolina, whereas the Tar Heels attempted 27 shots Mm -hmm. from three-point range. It's really hard to sit here and think about a Duke and North Carolina game where Duke really didn't win the game because of their three-point shooting. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And and if I'm if I am Hubert Davis, as soon as I got done with that press conference last night, if I go look at the stats and really digest it, I go, man, I really made a fool of myself because when the opposing team only shoots th- eleven three pointers, and I shoot twenty seven, that means that they're getting in the paint. That means they're drawing fouls. Listen, anyone with with clear eyesight. There's not one of those Derek Lively blocks that you that would have been called a foul. None of them. In fact, I don't believe any player nor coach on UNC's team argued any of Derek Lively's eight blocks. You know what I mean? So, like, yeah. I, I'm not saying that we play perfect defense, but this is like the seventh or eighth time, if I'm not mistaken, this season that we have held our opponents to their least uh, point production of the season. So, like, we are a good defensive team. And when you throw out a, a, a lineup, you know, well, first of all, Jeremy Roach on R.J. Davis is a good – that's a great matchup for him as opposed to Caleb Love. Tyrese Proctor, who I don't know if we're going to spend some time on today, but, man, he really – he re- I know he didn't shoot the ball great when he was in the paint, 
that Manny took the pressure off of Jeremy Roach, both on the offensive end and the defensive end. And then Kyle Filipowski, an underrated defender, underrated. And we know about Mark Mitchell, and we know about Derek Lively. At the end of the day, man, that's an incredibly talented and gifted defensive squad, and we showed it Saturday night. Really big-time performance for Duke, also for Derek Lively the second. How about a career-high 34 minutes played in the basketball game? That's 10 more than his previous career high. Spent a lot of time out there on the floor. It meant more limited minutes for Ryan Young, who was only out there for six minutes. Dariq Whitehead, of course, was not able to go for the Blue Devils. Looks like he could be close to return very soon, however. And, of course, just 11 three-point attempts for Duke. Their fewest on the season tied with the Xavier game that they also won. So maybe, just maybe, we're seeing a little bit of a winning formula here for the Blue Devils with how they play offense going down the stretch here, Josh. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. You have to play to your strengths, and you've got to know what you're good at and what you're not good at. And we know this. We're not a good three-point shooting team. So, listen, we can either keep firing them up there, uh, you know, with with uh, <laughs> not-so-desirable results, or we can adjust. And and I'm all for it. Listen, I'd rather make a two than miss a three any day of the week. So, Yeah, let's keep that going. Absolutely. Yeah. No doubt about that. All right, let's take our first time out here of today's program. We're back with more Locked On Blue Devils in just a moment. Lockdown Blue Devils here today is brought to you by our good friends over at LinkedIn. As a small business owner or hiring manager, you know that if you want success this year, it all depends on the team members that you surround yourself with. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. With LinkedIn Jobs, you can hire qualified candidates more efficiently by matching open roles with people who have the skills, values, and experiences to help you achieve your goals. LinkedIn Jobs helps you quickly attract qualified candidates to open jobs with targeting tools. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. Again, post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. That's linkedin.com slash college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Moving forward here on today's episode of Locked On Blue Devils, J.J. Jackson alongside my pal Josh Cox from Duke Football Talks, Section 17 podcast. Let's talk about the guards. That was a big yeah. part of the preview for this Duke and North Carolina game. Caleb Love, R.J. Davis, Love more so than Davis has had his way against the Blue Devils in years past. But how about 20 points for Jeremy Roach, a really productive first half of basketball for Tyrese Proctor, who finished with 11 points on the day. All of those points scored in the first half. Uh, what a job by those two guys in the backcourt for the Blue Devils. Well, we, we mentioned that Jeremy Roach is going to have to have to take this game personally. He had been thoroughly outplayed uh, so far in his career uh, against Caleb Love. And, you know, there's recruiting – there are recruiting stories oh, yeah. there. You know, uh, as, as Duke kind of made their choice with Jeremy Roach and backed off of Caleb Love. Uh, and so that's a personal game for Caleb Love every year, and understandably so. Uh, but, but Jeremy had to match that. And uh, Saturday night, he matched it. And he came out and he was ready to go. You know, when, when he is on, the, you know, the game Saturday night looked like uh, the end of the last season, right, when he was really clicking there in the tournament um, and, and towards the end of the season. When he is clicking like that, I mean, I heard Carolina fans saying, man, the guy just gets to his spot. He knows where he wants to get. He just gets there and gets a shot off. I mean, he hit a, he hit a um, end of the shot clock mid-range jumper in Leaky Black's face, man. I mean, like, Leaky was on him. And we know Leaky Black's an elite defender. 
Right. Um, and he just got to a spot and hit the shot. It kind of reminds you of like of Chris Paul in a certain sense of like, I'm going to get into my midi. I'm going to get it. Uh, I'm going to find where I want to go. And then obviously they were able to, one of the keys that I put on Twitter personally uh, was getting Armando Baycott involved in the pick and roll. We've seen Duke big men over the years really get exploited on that pick and roll. And we did it to Baycott. In fact, if you heard Roach's uh, postgame comments, he even said, we knew if we got him in that pick and roll, they were, yeah. they were not communicating properly on, on defense. <laughs> and not only did Jeremy finish that play when we were up two to go up four with 24 seconds to go, but the lane opened up like the Red Sea, and he, was, he went in there untouched, and there was nobody even challenging his shot because the way they were handling the pick and roll. So I think that was important on the guards. We got their bigs in pick and roll. And then Proctor, I mean, not only did he score 11 points in the first half, but he had seven rebounds, five assists, did turn the ball over a couple of times. But, you know, he took the pressure off of Jeremy. Um, nine times out of ten, it was it was Tyrese that was handling the ball, uh, that was bringing the ball up. He was getting the offense in motion. He was really allowing Jeremy to kind of roam and find his spots. And so, I mean, they both – Jeremy played all 40 minutes – Tyrese played 38 minutes. Yeah. So Shire really, really basically hitched his wagon to those two guys and said, you know, you're going to take us where we need to go tonight, and they did. And, and then you talk about Jeremy Roach. I, again, I was watching it with some Carolina fans myself and, and just heard them time and time again complimenting tough shot, tough shot. I mean, just he's a gamer, and he was making those big-time jumpers from the free throw line uh, in tough areas, like you said, with Leaky Black defending and that sort of thing. So uh, Duke, again, a winner, 63-57, a one-point lead for the Blue Devils at the half, able to extend it to a six-point margin kind of early in the half. North Carolina came back took a lead later in the second half, and then Duke again closed it out with a zero points scored by the Tar Heels in the last four minutes of the basketball game. Pretty much a classic Duke-UNC game, Josh, where you're nervous the entire way through, all the way till the end, but then Duke made enough plays at the end to win the basketball game. Well, every every time, hopefully, every time we, we play them, it's a competitive game like this. You know, every now and then there'll be a blowout on, on one side or the other. But you hope that every time that Duke and UNC lace it up, that there's going to be, you know, a good second half, you know, back and forth, and the game is going to come down to the final few minutes. And it typically does that. And, you know, it was no different Saturday night. The game really came down to the final minute. And we just mentioned that Jeremy Roach pick and roll play where he got in the lane. That sealed the game. Um, and that was, that was with under 30 seconds to play, actually. And so this game went all the way down to the wire. <clears throat> Kudos to John Shire. Uh, it's his first game coaching in the rivalry. Um, he now, you know, as a player, as an assistant coach, as a head coach, he's now been a part of wins in the Duke UNC rivalry. And so kudos to him. I actually thought uh, that this was a very well coached game um, by by the Duke coaching staff. Um, and, I, and I'll be honest with you, I thought it was relatively well coached by UNC as well. There weren't like glaring mistakes coaching wise that you could point to on either side. So it was like even playing field on the coaching side. And so the players just had to go out and, and play the game. And so, yeah, shout out. And then, and by the way, we haven't mentioned him yet, but Kyle Filipowski, I know his shooting numbers weren't great. I mean, we're looking at him right there, four for 14. I know they weren't great, but that did, that kid's a, a gamer, man. And yeah. like when we need it, he got that leak out in the second half where he, he Euro stepped and finished and those types of things, man, I will say this. If, if, it's under a couple minutes to go, and we got to send somebody to the foul line, or there's or there's a clutch play that needs to be made. You can give the ball to number thirty any day of the week if you ask yeah. me. 
Also haven't given any love to Jacob Grandison, but he made a couple of nice plays yep. for the Blue Devils. Uh, took shots out there when he needed to. Had the and one yep. uh, early in the first half in this one. Three. So a lot of people made contributions up and down the lineup, even though uh, Duke didn't go as deep in the bench as we possibly might have. Three quiet ahead. His return could possibly be looming. Duke also has to get ready for a game coming up against Miami. We'll get to Miami here in just a second. But all in all, Josh, any final thoughts that you've got from this Duke-UNC game in particular? Um, I, I saw a stat, <clears throat> um, speaking of the Miami game, that had Duke beaten had Duke beaten Clemson. or so, It doesn't have anything to do with Miami game. Had we beaten Clemson earlier in the season, which we kind of gave that game away, uh, we would be sitting in first place right now as opposed to sixth place. That one game would have actually catapulted us because it would have brought Clemson down. How wild is that? Out. Yeah, that's how, that's how close it is. But but yeah, that's how important this game was, though. Uh, speaking of the Duke-UNC game, this was an important game because uh, this is the second straight loss for UNC, uh, getting beat by Jeff Capel's Pitt Panthers. Yeah. Um, and, and it would – you know, honestly, we, we lose this game. Quick turnaround, Miami tonight – that's an easily losable game for us. I mean, it really, really could. So it was it was so important. It was so important, obviously, for the rivalry. It was important for the Duke fan base. But in the, inside of this season, in the context of this season, a very important win for Duke. Massive win for the Duke Blue Devils. And we'll talk more about that Miami game coming up here in just a moment after our final timeout on today's edition of Locked On Blue Devils. Lockdown Blue Devils here today brought to you by our friends at Built Bar. Are you looking for a delicious treat, but you don't want all the fat and calories that can go with that sometimes? Well, then you've got to try Built Bar. Built Bar is what I'm doing to eat healthier and finding healthier options that are actually tasty. What makes them so good is that, well, hey, for starters, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. Yeah, that's right, real chocolate. And they come in unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, and coconut almond. Only 130 calories and 4 grams of sugar and a whopping 17 grams of protein. And now you don't need to wait around to get a box sent to you in the mail. For years, we've been talking about ordering your Built Bars at Built.com, and you can still do that. But now you can also get them at your local Walmart or Sam's Club. That's right. Head to your nearest Walmart today, walk to the pharmacy section, and grab yourself a box. You can pick up a four-bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puffs. And if you go to Sam's Club, run in and grab a 13-bar box with our hit flavors, brownie batter and churro, you could thank me later. Built Bar is a proud sponsor of Locked On Blue Devils. Final few moments here on today's episode of Locked On Blue Devils. J.J. Jackson alongside my pal Josh Cox from Duke Football Talks Section 17 Podcast. Boy, we talk about nerve-wracking games for the Blue Devils. North Carolina was one of them on Saturday. A few Saturdays back, the Blue Devils took on the Miami Hurricanes at home, and now they get set a very quick turnaround playing tonight are the Duke Blue Devils in Coral Gables against Miami. Yeah, it's a huge game. I mean, we sit um... – we sit alone in six, technically sixth place. Oh, I guess technically we sit alone in fourth place because Virginia and Pitt are tied at second. NC State and Miami are tied for third. Uh, but we are a half a game behind Miami right now. We are we're sitting at eight and four. They're at nine and four. This is a, a huge game for seeding in the ACC tournament. Um, us having two wins over Miami gives us the full tiebreaker there. Uh, should we get to that point later on in the season? Um, and then it's an it's an ACC road game, and you know it's a chance for this team, this young team, 
uh, to go into a hostile environment. You know, as we said, as we've always said, there's going to be more people at this game at, at Miami than this at any other game this season. They're going to be louder than any other game. And we've got to go in, ride the momentum of Saturday night, and get a win. And so I, I think it'll be um, – it's going to be an interesting game. I mean, Miami is solid. Uh, they've got a good core of people. They're well coached. We know that. Larinaga is a great coach. And they have the they have the home home court advantage uh, this time around, and so we're gonna have to come. I, I expect for Derek Lively to feed off of, of his momentum from Saturday. I expect Coach Shire to ride him a little bit more and to give him more minutes, like he did at the UNC game. And we'll see what that does because he was good in the last Miami game. Don't get me wrong, but he wasn't as good as he was yeah. Saturday night. So if he continues to improve then I think that's a key for us going into the game tonight. Yeah, that's absolutely what we'd love to see, and hopefully we get a, a big win. Again, 7 o'clock Eastern to watch the game tonight. Duke and Miami. Miami will be the home team, and they're favored by about three and a half right now. Does it feel like Derek Whitehead, could his return could be looming in your eyes with a, a big week ahead for Duke? You get in the game tonight against Miami, and then Saturday, a tough road test for the Blue Devils going to Charlottesville to take on the Virginia Cavaliers. Yeah, I mean, I, ideally, you'd like to see him come back tonight and get like 10 minutes of action um, so that he could have some game action under him before going to Charlottesville, which is a huge game, as you mentioned. Um, that would be ideal. And he went through all the pregame warm-ups uh, Saturday night for the UNC game. He seems to be running uh, fine. You know, the good thing for Duke, I mean, I guess the good thing, there was nothing twisted you know, yeah. so, so that's a good thing. And then there was nothing ruptured, which is the, the a great thing. thing. Yeah. yeah, the great thing. <laughs> um, and so at the end of the day, I'm assuming it's just a soreness type thing that they're just trying to make sure he's he's good to go on. And so uh, it wouldn't surprise me at all to see him in uniform. Of course, by the time this thing drops, we may have already found out yes or no. I, I do appreciate that about John Shire is that Duke releases the day of the game like – who's playing and who's not, you know, you don't, they're not required to do that in any right. way, any way at all, but I kind of appreciate that. And so we'll find out, you know, sometime today uh, what, what takes place. And like I said, depending on when Duke releases that, it may already be out there, but yeah. uh, even if he plays or if he doesn't play, I don't see them altering the starting lineup of Proctor Roach, Mitchell flip and lively. I think that's going to be our lineup. Um, and so that's not going to affect that. And I really don't expect him if he does play to play more than 10, 12 minutes. 20 games total of ACC play for each and every team, and we are over halfway done with Duke season. Josh, we got eight games left of conference competition before the ACC tournament and uh, advancing on to the NCAA tournament. So uh, time to keep stacking wins for the Blue Devils and a big one coming up here tonight against Miami. Appreciate the time as always chatting with you, my friend. Should be a fun one uh, that we get to watch tonight between Duke and Miami. Yeah, JJ, thanks for having me on, man. Have a great week. That's Josh Cox from Duke Football Talks Section 17 Podcast joining us here on today's episode of Locked On Blue Devils. Go check out their show. We recently learned the opponents for Duke football, the schedule being put together for this upcoming season, and those guys have an awesome podcast that you can listen to right now. Section 17 Podcast. Search for it and find it wherever you get them. Locked On Blue Devils here once again, a daily devoted podcast for everything going on in the life 
of Duke Athletics. Follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Blue Devils. And you can follow me on Twitter at underscore JJ underscore Jackson underscore. That's going to do it for today's show. As always, go Duke. I'll talk to you tomorrow. My name is JJ Jackson. Thank you and good day. Good day.